Tuesday afternoon, we say welcome to the Pastor Study on the essence of HU 88.1 WHOV. Pastor Kevin Swan at Ivy Baptist Church live in studio with you. Uh, before we get started, certainly we want to take a moment to reflect and to thank all of our, our military, those who are in the armed forces, those who are currently and those who have in the past uh, defended our freedom both here domestically and abroad. We certainly thank them as we celebrated Memorial Day and yesterday. Uh, oftentimes, uh, we have a tendency to not appreciate or fully recognize the great sacrifices that some of our armed forces uh, have made. And so we want to say on behalf of this show, the Pastor Study to everyone that's listening who is in the military, we want to say thank you so much for your dedication, support, and commitment to our country that gives us the freedoms and the rights that we do have in our country that makes it what it is. Uh, I have been fortunate enough to travel uh, to different countries throughout the world, and I can tell you that we are extremely blessed uh, to have certain freedoms that we have, just the freedom to worship the way we want, the freedom to, to express ourselves in certain ways, uh, which we should truly be thankful. So I want to take this moment again to thank my armed forces and the military, certainly those families who have had loved ones to lose their lives in the war as a result of military action. Uh, we certainly thank you as well, and our fashion prayers great night to you uh, on this Tuesday as we much uh, remember you, even though yesterday was the holiday. We're glad that you're with us. If you're tuning in for the very first time to the Pastor Study, we thank you for taking time out of your schedule. This show is designed to talk about relevant issues that impact our community. We talk about it from a Biblical perspective, the pastor study is the place in the church where the pastor seeks the face of God for answers concerning various topics that affect congregations, affect communities, and as always, we open up the phone lines to you uh, to offer your perspective. We have a great, great show today, and so we're going to go ahead and jump in. This show was spawned from a, an article that I saw in the Daily Press on May the 21st. The title of the, of the article was Portsmouth Woman Charged with Whipping Child with Belt in the Parking Lot. Once again, let me say this. Portsmouth Woman Charged with Whipping Child with Belt in Parking Lot. 
And the article goes on to say that a woman was arrested on Thursday night after witnesses told police that she was using a belt to whip her seven-year-old child in the parking lot of a store in Portsmouth. Now, what we don't know is the severity of the spanking, but what we do know is that uh, witnesses reported that the woman was, was spanking her daughter with a belt, and I guess witnesses then called police. Police came in and arrested the woman and charged her with one felony count of child abuse. Here's the question. We know that uh, in church particularly, in scripture, it talks about the necessity of disciplining our children. In some cases, that might mean spankings. For those who were raised uh, a generation ago, you know that uh, sometimes there was a mother, a grandmother, a father that used to tell you to go outside, get a, get a switch off the tree, and bring that switch back in here. Or don't you bring a light switch, either bring a switch that I can really use to get you. And we, were, we grew up in that kind of environment where spankings were considered the norm. Well, today, certainly, uh, the question becomes, where is the line when it comes to discipline our children? Does it seem like now that Child Protective Services uh, is more pronounced than it was back a generation or two ago, that perhaps now kids feel like they have the upper hand, that now if they parents do something or attempt to do something, that the children will say, well, I'm going to call Child Protective Services and put the, put the parents at a disadvantage. So where is the line? First of all, should parents continue to discipline their children through spanking? That's the first question. And if so, then where does the line go between discipline and something greater? To help us to answer these questions, I have asked, and she graciously accepted to come on the show, Ms. Sandra Stovall. And Ms. Sandra Stovall is the social work supervisor for the Hampton Department of Human Services. And she's been in this capacity for the past 23 years. And she has worked in child protective services for 15 years. And so we certainly want to get the perspective of Child Protective Services. So first of all, Ms. Stovall, we want to say welcome to you, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Well, there are some definite misconceptions, Ms. Stovall, and I'm, I'm thankful that you have agreed to come on the show. Uh, first of all, I was shocked when I saw this particular article, okay? Woman arrested for spanking her seven-year-old daughter with a belt. Now, initially when I saw it, I'll be honest with you, you know, I said, well, some children sometimes need spanking. So for the record, Child Protective Services, what, what is the position of Child Protective Services when it comes to spankings? Are they allowed? Are they not allowed? Where, where does social services stand in this issue? Well, the state of Virginia has made a determination that punishment is legal in the state of Virginia. Uh, parents are allowed to discipline their children. Oftentimes, the problem comes when parents go too far. And that is often where the issue lies to be able to determine the difference between discipline and abuse. And of course, we all have our own definition of what that difference is, but we are guided by the policies and the code of Virginia that 
dictate what is considered as far as the legal issues and child protection services. It is defined clearly in the state code. Okay, so first of all, you are saying, you said corporal punishment. I'm going to have to use that. So corporal punishment is allowed. So we can, it is not illegal to spank. It is not illegal. So where then is the line? How do you then determine where the line is when it, when it becomes discipline versus abuse? Uh, the state defines abuse as when the child is physically disciplined and there is injury as a result of that discipline. If you have bruises, welts, cuts, scars, if they're on the child after a spanking, then that's when you cross the line. Of course, there are different things that will play into that, such as the location of the injury, if it's on the buttocks, the age of the child, all things are taken into consideration. And across the state, we have so many different localities. Each locality kind of interprets how they will proceed with each incident differently. But the state defines abuse as any injury that or creates or threatens injury. That means if a parent has placed their child in a situation where they can be seriously injured or they have inflicted those injuries, it really depends on what is the result of the injury. Again, if you have marks, bruises, cuts, well, things of that nature, that thing cross the line from discipline to abuse. And again, even the levels of abuse are different because there are different levels that we can assign to a particular incident. Such as if it's not really serious, it can be a level three, which means that it's not quite as serious, it didn't require medical attention, so we would not assign that as a high level of abuse. But then you have models, which would be a level two. That would have injuries that may require medical attention. It may be something that where a child has to have the injury attended to by a school nurse or even a relative or the parent. And level one is obviously those injuries that are very severe, lots of felt marks, things that may require some sort of medical treatment to treat the wound that injured. Okay, we're talking with Ms. Sandra Stovall. She is a social work supervisor with Hampton Department of Social Services, and she's been working in child protective services for the past 15 years. Uh, the topic for today was on May the 21st. There was an article in the Daily Press where a woman was outside of the store, spanked a child with a belt, and witnesses then told the police. Police then arrested the mother and charged her with one count of abuse, felony child abuse. So, Ms. Stovall, are you saying then that really the issue is not the spanking, but the marks or the bruises that are left behind? Is, is that what determines for you the difference between discipline and abuse? That's correct. That's how the state defines it. What is the result of that caretaker's action? Um, the fact that you choose to discipline your child is not really the issue. It is what is the result of that discipline. And to just explain a little further, if a parent thanks a child and there is no injury, there is nothing that could be said about that because it is permissible in the state of Virginia. It's not that in all states. I mean, Virginia does allow that. However, the problem comes when parents do not know where to draw the line. They don't know when to stop. You can't normally, you know, thanking a parent doesn't stop and say, let me check and see 
if I've gone too far. It often happens in terms of anger, and they're trying to see the point, and they just move forward, and they get into the act of discipline, but they do not realize how strong they are, how hard they're hitting, the force of the injury. And so it would probably be a better idea to not spank a child when you're angry and when you're upset, because you do have a tendency to go overboard. And so we always recommend that people try other options other than spanking. But if you feel that's the course that you want to make, you have to understand the fine line between abuse and discipline. I'll be honest with you. This is a very interesting topic because you're saying then, as long as there are no marks, it's acceptable. Which would then suggest if a parent strikes a child a hundred times and leaves no mark, it's acceptable. Or if they spank one time and leave a mark, then we have an issue. So it's not the, the number of times, it's what's left behind. Is that is that how you all are interpreting the law? Well, each situation has a different um, outcome. If a parent were to strike a child a hundred times, to me that's an indication of an issue. That's sort of a, a hypothetical situation. But yes, one parent can choose to strike their child one time, and that one incident can leave an injury that can potentially be more severe than another parent who has struck their child multiple times. So, so given, and I understand that every case is different, but given given the case of um, the Portsmouth woman and, and hearing that she struck her child with a belt, take us through the process, okay? Once witnesses call police or they call Child Protective Services, take us through the process of what happens next once you are notified. Okay, and I'm, without getting into specifics of that case because I'm not really privy to that, but when a call is made into Child Protective Services, we have to respond. We first have to make a determination as to the severity of what they're calling about, basically with to establish a response time. If it's something that indicates that a child is in imminent danger, we respond immediately. Um, and there's a whole list of times, up to five days, that we can respond, but it's based on a number of things, age of the child, what it is that's being reported. And we try most often to never wait that long, but if we get a call like the one you just mentioned, we will go out immediately. And our job is to first look at the safety of that child. And we also have to make an assessment of the risk. And that means what will happen to this child if we leave. So before you can make those decisions, you have to talk to the parents, find out what this incident was, why did they choose to do that at that particular time. But with every situation, no matter how qualifying it sounds, we know that there's a circumstance behind each situation. So we do have to follow up. We go out and talk to as many people as we can. And then, along with the police, if they're involved, we come up with what a good plan for how we'll protect this child, always with the goal of keeping that family together. Okay, once again, we're talking with Ms. Sandra Stovall. She is with Child Protective Services in the city of Hampton. And we're talking about today, where is the line when it comes to disciplining our children? Now, Ms. Stovall uh, and Pastor Young is here also. Pastor Young, you can come on around. You, you can testify to the fact that there's some kids today that are just off the hook. Right? There's some kids that... Quite frankly, you go into Walmart, you go into, you see these kids, they're acting all kinds of ways. Parents 
uh, saying to the children, please, they hate, they're not listening. In some cases, it seems that a stronger form of discipline is needed in order to correct. We hear in church all the time, spare the rod, spare the child. You know, the, the, the necessity of discipline. What do you think about, where, where do you stand here as far as this? We, we have to, what's, what's the correct term for you? Spankings, is that the correct term? Physical discipline is the correct term. Now, we grew up in a generation where it wasn't physical, it was beatings. <laughs> it was beatings. What, what, what is your take on, on this? You know, you, you saw the story. Um, and I'm going to ask you still story again. Where, where did, how did we get to this point? It seems that now kids are much more knowledgeable of child protective services and their rights and all those kinds of things. But, but what's your take of the past? You know, Pastor Thorne, one of the things I learned uh, listening to Ms. Stovall is that I was physically abused as a child. And, and I hope my mom uh, uh, gets the opportunity to listen to this. <laughs> but, 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 you know, uh, I'm all over the map on, the, on, on this particular subject because, A, there, there are certain measures I do believe that have to be in place. There has to be a system of checks and balances because the truth is, is that there are parents out there that abuse their children and there is no way around it. And, and we have to have some type of deterrent. And so I support the Child Protective Services and their efforts to do that. Uh, and also, you know, as she mentioned, you know, that it, usually this happens when people uh, discipline their children out of anger. And, and to me, you know, that's where I will give uh, parents credit for a psychological warfare on the way home. You know, when they say, when, when we get home, you, you remember that? Yeah. When you get, and that, that to me, outbeat me in the parking lot. I'm sorry. You know, but I, I never wanted to wait until I got home. But I guess the point that I'm making is, is that that also gave the parents time to cool off. Uh, so that was a necessary evil in my mind because I, I, I must confess, I never got the, the parking lot beat down, but uh, when I got home, I would get it. But I would think that there's some psychological damage to being beaten in a parking lot. Not only do you have to endure the physical pain, but then all of your friends that saw it and all of that kind of stuff, that's got to be a terrible experience for a child. And I think that, uh, that's out of it. Mr. Well, let me ask you. Because, you know, all of us here are raised in, in the same generation. And I don't know if growing up you were, if you had physical discipline, <laughs> as you described. I know I did. Often. <laughs> and, and then people look at it and say, well, you know, it made me to be a better person. Well, how do you want to define it? The discipline is necessary. Maybe not the physical discipline. But one thing I see as a pastor is that there, there are many children that are being born to young parents. Who, who, who don't understand the value of discipline. And they're not disciplining, period. Which now leads to all kinds of things that we're seeing, a lack of respect for authority, breakdowns in the home, all those kinds of things. My question to you is, how, when, when, did this, when did this pattern start where child protective services became more pronounced? Because, again, I, I can remember, and I know, President, I didn't know anything about CPS. When I was growing up. Yeah. <laughs> right. So so when when did it start to emerge to the point where we are now where you know I get stories from parents that go to the church and say, look, you know, our kids say if you do anything to me, they go they come home and say, look, if you do anything to me, I'm calling CPS. How do we get to this place? Is it, I guess is the question. Well, I'm assuming that's the case because of education. 
it's out there in the community, you can find billboards, things of that nature. But understand that it did not become this prevalent without cause. There's a reason for that. And I've known about child protective services all my life because my mother was a child protective service worker back in the 60s. So it's, it's been there for quite a while. But because we've had so many circumstances where children have been very brutal, just hurt, harmed, even killed, we've had to make it an education. And kids are understanding that they have to be able to go to someone if there's something going on. Um, and I don't, I just say that children, by all means, should be supported. But I don't think it's always that children are, oh, my mom's going to thank you, so help me. It's more of a child who has a serious problem at home, they're fearful of being seriously hurt. That, those are the cases that we really, really, really put out emphasis on. Anyone can call child protective and any child can go to school or anything and say, my mother or father did this to me. But we have to look at each situation individually. The simple fact that they call does not mean that, oh, you're going to have a full-blown investigation. We also do what's called family assessment, which means if a, a family is identified as a family that may have had an incident of physical discipline, we go in and see if there's a way we can help. So we offer this parent services, whether it's parenting classes or some counseling, or get this child involved in other activities to keep him or her from doing the things that the parent has some issues with. It is probably true. It may be that the child needs a tutor or something that can challenge his or her energy. The call for child protective services is really a call for help. It does not mean that we're going to go out and say, ooh, you're not a great parent. It is a call for help, and hopefully that is what people will begin to look at child protective services as. You know, I mean, probably over the past 10 years or so, the way people look at child protective services has changed, and we're not the agency, if you will, that just removes children. We pride ourselves in not removing children. And so the goal is always to maintain the safety of the child while keeping them in their home. If that's not possible, you look about and it's not to be but it's to be helpful. So that would be why children, as they should, have access to ask for help if they can't ask. This is a very interesting discussion today, and Ms. Fogel is in with us. We're going to take a break here. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to open up the phone lines. We want to hear from you, 727-5711. Should spanking be a corrective form of discipline? That's the first question. And, you know, I'd be interested to get some parents to call in. Uh, are there some parents who feel not afraid, but are more aware of what they can and can't do as far as discipline is concerned because of Child Protective Services, not, not that that's a negative, but to understand that now Child Protective Services does play a larger role. And where should the church stand in all of this? Should pastors and church leaders encourage physical discipline, as Ms. Stovall is defining here? We're going to answer those questions. Come on and call in 727-5711. This is the essence of HU 88.1 WHOV. Listen, evening is kingdom. An evil mindset is a kingdom mindset. Let me hear ya. Where my Eden citizens at? Where my Eden citizens at? And welcome back to the pastor's study. Here in the essence of HU 88.1 WHOV. If you're just tuning in, we have a very interesting discussion today. There was an article 
in the Daily Press on May the 21st about a Portsmouth woman who, in a parking lot outside of a store, spanked her seven-year-old daughter with a belt. And apparently witnesses went to the police. Uh, the police investigated. And the mother was charged with one felony count of child abuse. So we have with us in studio Ms. Sandra Stovall. She is the social work supervisor, Hampton Department of Human Services, and she's been working in child protective services for the past 15 years. And we're just trying to get an explanation of where is the line, as social services defines it, where is the line between discipline and abuse. And certainly we want to uh, have you to call in 727-5711. We do have a caller on the air from Hampton. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead and state your comment, please. Um, I personally have been wrapped up in this issue um, just recently. My son was having bad behavior in school. Um, we tried the other avenues which they want to train us to do as far as punishment, um, privileges, restricted, and things of that nature. And we, my husband and myself, thanks to my son. The entire received some um, marks on his behind and um, some on his arm from trying to block the state in his belt. Um, he went to school and the um, teacher, something for nurse, which service was um, called and then he was removed from our home for three weeks. Now, the marks he is a little bit of a lighter complexion, so the monsters look a lot worse than what they probably would have been. My husband and I did not even know that he had marks. But the, I do not believe that the investigator actually took the time to do a complete and thorough investigation um, pertaining to the incident and, and all the ramifications before she decided to remove the child. Now, um, as we got a lawyer and we went through the process, we read the, um, the state laws of the child um, abuse is considered, and it really is a flaw in it due to the fact that everybody will not be the same, and to their law system is basically saying that if any group is perceived, any group is, I mean, anything, wealth, anything, that's considered abuse. And that is an issue because I agree if you just grab my arm or I can bump into the corner of the wall and I will do, but that doesn't mean I'm being abused. Okay. And right now we're going through this complete system of um, parenting classes, anger management classes, and you know, a parental evaluation, psychological evaluation, just in order to see if we're fit for parents. There are many, many children out there that are a little bit darker that you would never see, never see in a on, and they are being abused on a daily basis. I okay. respect, the, I respect the, the process and why it's necessary because, honestly, Sometimes the teachers and the, um, are the only ones that will find the abuse. So I don't knock what they do. I just think that really they should go into the investigation a little bit further before they jump to conclusions about being abused. And um, just from just from my uh, 
my actually going through this process, I've met many other parents as well that may do the same thing. But it was not their first um their first being a discipline that was not their first uh um choice at the spanking. It was rather the last resort. We began to read up on um disciplinary books and there's books on both sides whether to spank or not to spank. And one of the books even went as far as to say that spanking should not be the last resort. It should be nicked in the bud in the beginning. So there's a plethora of options out there to say whether they do or whether you should or whether you shouldn't. And I'm not sure how the system could be collected for getting parents caught up in it and wasting thousands and thousands of dollars when it wouldn't take normally as much. The, the process that we're going through is very, very costly for the city, and it's actually just a lot of uh, time and effort to go through. Not saying that we don't, we're not um, gaining anything from it, because we are, and you know, it's one of those things now we look forward to going to, because you, you get to meet so many different people, and you do have some input together, but it, it's the process and the way they've got everything, the, the, the investigation is, it needs to be revamped, it really does. Okay, we um, appreciate that. We, we have to, uh, we have some other calls, but we do thank you uh, for the call. We appreciate your time. Thank it, it's, it's interesting uh, because she said something uh, about complexion. Does, does complexion play a difference? If a child is lighter or marks more visible, does that lead CPS to the conclusion that abuse is more clearly evident than someone of a darker complexion? Well, obviously, on a lighter complexion child, the grief or injury would show. It would be a little more pronounced. But my, what I've always said about that is the darker skin child could be injured, and you may not notice that. So it does not necessarily, you don't divide it up with that, whether a child is light or dark, but I will admit that if your skin is light, the bruise will be visible. But that does not mean that if you get a call on a child who is not as light, that you will not respond. We have to respond to all of them. And I just want to reiterate, when we talk about wealth bruises, those are the things that are required for us to go out. It does not mean that the outcome will be all the things that the first caller has talked about. It does mean that we will look into it. Let me ask you real quick before we go to the next caller. She mentioned in her case that the child was removed for three weeks. Is that is that normal? Is that how does that work on um, the scale of moderate to severe in terms of you going in and looking and assessing the situation? A three week removal from the home. Without getting into the specifics of her case, because I'm not aware of it, um, whenever a child is removed from the home, it is done because of risk and safety factors. There is a concern that if you leave this child in this home, there may be an incident or a reoccurrence of the injury. Um, there are so many different factors. Removed from the home could really mean with a grandparent, with an aunt, uncle, an older sibling. It could mean a neighbor. We also offer what's called respite which is a voluntary process where a child is placed into a temporary foster care setting with the parents 
signature, and they can always say at any time, I want this to end. So I'm not really familiar with this job because, but whenever we do do that, it's because there's a concern of the, the child's continued safety. Okay, we have another phone call. Uh, Alethea, I believe, from Portsmouth. Are you there, Alethea? Yes, I'm there. Do you understand your comment? Um, there is a, there's a breakdown in the structure of the home itself because the way my parents raised me compared to the young parents, their, their whole structure is quite different. There is no time for love. There is no time for me talking to you. And when they talk to them, it's only when they decide to need to. And then I notice, too, younger parents have a tendency to see things with children doing something, and they think it's cute. And, I mean, and you need to start training a child when, he, when they're old enough to want things to start these different You can't just start, you know, when they get with somebody else be a problem. It starts from the time they recognize who you are. You have to start. But I say we are, we are born to sin and shape. We have to shape our children. And these, these things would happen. But integration had a lot to do with this too. Because we had a strong bond in the neighborhood. And then when this came along, we rethought how we did this. Okay, interesting comment. Thank you so much. And and yes, Pastor Young, you can come around and remember there was what we used to call community beating. Not, not, not only did the, you know, you got it by the neighbor before you got home. Before you, you raised like that, you know, the neighbor would get you, and then and then then the neighbor would tell your parents why they got you, and then the parents would get you too, Pastor Sam. That, that was just life. Oh, is it how it was? <laughs> right. So, so I guess, Mister. Well, I guess the question is now. Um, you know, again, going back to this 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 notion of physical removal. The parents said in that call, they felt like there was no other option that they had. That it had, you know, that the child was not responding to any other form of discipline. So you're, you're saying you don't necessarily say you can't do it but if you do do it and a child is defending themselves and let's say the belt happens to hit their arm and then you leave a mark on the arm then that's grounds for an investigation yes it is it does not mean that you can result with the conversation probably but it's certainly enough for us to get involved and to do an assessment of the family and find out what's going on um whenever we have calls if they meet the criteria, then we are responsible for responding to it. So what, what is the criteria, if you don't mind? If somebody calls in, you have a checklist, I presume, of things that you're looking for. What sorts of things are you looking to hear from this call? Well, in order for it to be accepted as a complaint or a referral, we have, it has to meet four criteria. One, the child has to be under the age of 18. And the caretaker or parent, the caretaker can be so many different things. Anyone who is left in charge of a child, if you're spending the night at a sleepover, that parent is the caretaker, your gym teacher, the coach of the middle team, parents, and any adults in the home are caretakers. The incident has to have occurred within the city, meaning for us it would be cancer. 
and then the biggie is the definition. Does what the caller is saying, does it meet the criteria to be investigated for child abuse? And that is most often the part that people have the most difficulty. One of the things I'm curious about is how much um, uh, unilateral authority, I did that because there's anything to do with big words and so on, but how much authority does that investigator have, or uh, is there a system of checks and balances whereby if the parent who is angry when the, when the child protective service uh, uh, investigator shows up, maybe they got an attitude because you showed up at their house and then they offend the investigator. Now, how much uh, latitude do, do they have, or is there a system of internal checks and balances that will prevent them from arbitrarily just taking a child for three weeks because you rubbed the investigator the wrong way? We don't have situations where an investigator makes that decision on their own. Um, and we are taught and trained that, of course, a parent is going to be angry and upset, even if it's not a discussion of does this child need to be somewhere else. Simply by knocking on a person's door and saying, we have questions about your ability to parent, is enough for them to say, oh, my goodness. So what our staff's trained to do is we have a supervisor that you are to dialogue with. If you don't have the time to go back to the office, then you need to be on the phone and talk with them. And the supervisor will run certain things by you. Sometimes when you're in the field, you don't always think because you're in the field of it. The supervisor will say, have you done this? Have you checked relatives? Have you explained to them what our major concerns are? So, no, back probably 20 years ago, a worker could do that, but not, not now. There are so many checks and balances because our goal is to keep children in their families or with relatives. If you're just tuning in, we are having a very interesting discussion on parental rights, children's rights as it pertains to discipline. There was an article in the Daily Press, May 21st, Portsmouth woman outside of a store in a parking lot who spanks her seven-year-old daughter with a belt. Witnesses call the police, they investigate, and then the woman is charged with one felony count of child abuse. And you have Ms. Sandra Stovall in the studio with us today working in Child Protective Services for the city of Hampton for the past 15 years and trying to get some insight on where is the line exactly between discipline and abuse. We do have another caller, I believe it's Bridget from Hampton. Bridget, are you there? Yes, I am. Where to state your comment, please? Um, I just wanted to say, listening to the comments uh, um, from Ms. Bovard, it sounds like some of the, the way that they, I guess the determination of it really is determined by the person who's doing it, um, the investigation of the situation. And the investigator is looking at it from their standpoint because they may be a person who does not believe in, you know, thinking, which I, I myself do believe in thinking as a mother of three and also as the youngest and the sibling of seven children. I got spanked, my, my brothers and sisters got spanked as well, and I indeed um, spank my children as well, but it's not as the other callers said, I don't make that my first resort. There are other things that you can do. You can do the punishment. My children were young. I did time now. I did all those things to try and make sure that I wasn't um, abusing my child, but I think it also comes with education. The more you um, look at the situation, um, different situations that you go through and you learn, and every child is different, and different disciplinary actions are going to be necessary for different children. My, one of my children may, just, may need um, things more than my other ones. My other ones may need just to talk to them. I may just have to, to um, talk to them, and, and the situation will be clarified. But I don't, um, I believe, I'm glad that CPS is there because they're in other um, situations, they do need to be there because when I was real, there were children who were abused, and because of that, there were children who are, they were right now behind bars, 
they didn't like turning because they were abused at home and they didn't know what to do. They were out in the street doing everything that there was because they didn't want to be at home getting abused by their parents. So it's a good thing for CPS, but at the same time, I think there just needs to be a balance as to what is abuse and what is not abuse. Again, with the wealth and all that, we all got wealth and all that. We got, we got space. You just think of a, a switch or a belt. You're going to get wealth from your behind. You know, not have to stand there for a week or two. And then we may have some issues. But just a wealth from being from a regular thing, and I think that's an issue. Okay, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And let's go all get to the call of Paul again. How, how can you be spanked without some marks of some sort? But I, I, don't, I don't know. Pastor, yeah, we, can, can you come in? I, I, how can there not be some? How do you spank lightly, I guess, to the point where you don't leave? You get the point across of the discipline, but there's no marks that's left behind. Right, because the truth is, is like, I think everyone in here agrees to include the call in this overall that, that you know, uh, uh, physical discipline, uh, I learned that from her, by the way, uh, should be like the nuclear weapon, you know, that, but if you have a nuclear weapon and never use it, then it, it's no longer the term. So at some point, you know, when there is physical discipline, it's supposed to hurt, you know, the, the, the scripture that people get away from, the Bible says the foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, and the law of correction will drive it far from it. There's no way to get around it. It's biblical. But again, I think where it becomes uh, controversial is when the sheriff uh, determines uh, whether or not you have been investigated, whether or not you have gone too far. Who determines whether or not you've gone too far? And I think that's really been the, the greatest challenge for South Texas. If I may, um, who determines that is basically the code of the Those are the things that guide the decisions that we make. At no time do you have one individual, one worker, making those decisions. There is a policy and protocol that they must follow. They must talk with their supervisors as soon as they are finished with each investigation. And yes, it is a situation where people will say, a wealth, they go away. But what we're talking about, a wealth is enough for the call to be made. That does not mean that each incident will result in a founded case of child abuse. But we will look into it because most often some children are disciplined and there are no injuries. But what we're talking about are the cases that we are required to by law to respond to. Thank you, Mr. Ball. And, and one point of clarification, so does the Code of Virginia, as it determines uh, when, when we're going too far, does the Code of Virginia clarify that if there is a wealth, then Child Protective Services has the right to uh, uh, determine whether or not they're going too far, or does the Code uh, of Virginia state that if there's a wealth, you have gone too far, and it is defined by the Code of Virginia as child abuse, if there is a wealth. No, what the wealth does is gives us the authority to address the issue. Once you get there, you speak with the child, you learn about what's going on in their home, you talk with the parents, you find out what the circumstances were that led up to this. Not every single call that we get that says there's a wealth, do we even accept it as an investigation? If I can explain this our dual track, which is the differential response system, when we get calls, based on the information that the caller gives us, we make a determination as to whether or not we would accept it for an investigation or a family assessment. The purpose of the investigation, of course, is to determine if abuse or neglect occurred and to follow up accordingly. But with the family assessment, we go into that situation saying, this looks like a family that may need some services. So we assess the situation and determine if there's a way we can help them. And most often when we have those family assessments, there are no determinations of abuse or neglect. We offer services. 
if you get out there and you're there for an assessment and it turns out to be a little more serious than that, then you can upgrade it to an investigation. But our goal is to provide children and families services to, to keep them together and not just to go out and point the finger and say, oh, you left the rope on your child. But we do know that if a parent gets to the point that they have to discipline the child, that there may be a need for some other service. All righty, we have, I believe, Maria from Portsmouth. Maria, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Go ahead and quickly state your comment. Yes, um, I, I listen to all the comments that everyone was making um, and talking about what is abuse, what's not abuse. Um, I would like to know the answer to that question myself as well because um, I myself have reported several abuse that has been going on um, from some, some people that I know of and child protection service they come in and investigate and just leave it because the child still has what um and and left the group but you know the parent is not con convicted of anything they put them on probation so so to clarify that you have called in a few times to report an incident Exactly. And Child Protective Services came out, they investigated, and they found no reasonable cause to remove the child from the home. Exactly. And by me being in the same boat, because I was in that same um, situation seven years ago with my daughter, disciplined her um, shortly after I had a hysterectomy, um, going through some problems after that. Um, was put on medication. Um, the child was left with no bruises, but I got in trouble with it. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. <laughs> Again, Ms. Stovall, is there a clearly defined process or a line um, aside from the bruises? Is, is there any, you know, she says in reverse that there have been evidence, but there has not been enough, I guess, by the social services worker to determine that the child needed to be removed. Do you find that that happens a lot as well? Well, I think we need to understand that the focus is not on removal. Our focus is what, we focus on what do we need to do to maintain this family. And so it does look different than it did 10 years ago. When we get calls, and I'm not familiar with what she was saying as far as the case, but it may be that the worker went out and said, this family needs to search. And oftentimes when the community gets involved and they don't see a child removed, they think that nothing's being done. And that's not the case. But they are often provided services. They look at the circumstances. And as far as looking for that clear line between discipline and abuse, I don't know that you're going to find it because it is done differently in each locality, each city interprets differently how they will respond to those calls. So, but what we're saying is when you get calls that are identifying abuses, well, Injuries of any type, we will respond. And after we respond, the severity of those will determine the steps we take after. Okay. Do you get a lot of children to call in to say, um, <laughs> Mommy and Daddy, <laughs> as a result of, because now you, you have given information to the children, you make it known in the schools. I'm just curious, do you get now a lot of children to report on their family? I wouldn't say a lot, but we do get a number of children who go to the office and then the school calls and they would say that a particular child is afraid to go home. But um, we, we don't get a lot. If when we do, they're teenagers and there's often so many other layers to that story, but we do look into it. So when you do get phone calls, 
who, who normally calls in? Is, is it a uh, teacher? Is it uh, a school official? Is it a family member? The majority of the calls that you get, where do they come from? Some people in the community, whether it be um, school personnel, doctors, officers. Um, we have had children call, had relatives call. Um, one parent might call in another one if they're involved in some sort of divorce or if they're just not together. Um, we've had parents call in themselves. Anybody is able to call. And so we definitely accept calls from everyone. You got parents to call on themselves. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Man. We have one more very quick call. Angela from Hampton. Angela, are you there? Yes. Can you please quickly state your comment? We're almost out of time. Yeah, I had an incident about um, 10 years ago with my son. He's now 19. And I found that um, children and families jumped the gun to me when they um, took him out of my home. They didn't do a thorough investigation. Um, at the time, I spanked him with a belt, and he did have what he's a very fair-skinned young man. And it wasn't that I was trying to hurt him. He grabbed the belt and was moving all over the place. And I have to admit, like the lady said, you have to wait until you're not angry. And at that moment, um, we were in a tussle. And it did occur that he had a lot of bruises. But they didn't look into what kind of parent I was, how I disciplined him, what... Um, kind of structure he had in his home. They just took him out of my home, and I had to fight to get him for two years. And then when they placed him in another home, that home was even worse. So when I got him back, I found out that the, the relative that had him abused him far worse than I had ever done in my home. And I just wanted to, to find out from children and families, how thorough do you go into the home and look at the background of the parent and of the child and what the situation is? Okay, thank you for the call. Very quickly, Mr. Gallagher, if you can answer that question, how thorough it seems we're getting that kind of call today, how thorough of an investigation is usually done? Well, we, we do have 45 days to make a determination as to whether or not abuse and neglect is occurred, but we do look at the family, we talk with the mother at least, the father at least, any relatives who might can add some sort of insight into this situation. We look at if there's been past calls. We look at what the parent has in place to um, protect that child. If they do feel like spanking, are they hitting to the point that they are causing injury? We do work with families, and sometimes working with them may mean that the child may have to be with the relative while we're in it. Um, I'm not familiar with what her circumstances are, but we, we have to answer the court. We have to answer the family. And one thing that we are doing now is from the very beginning, we are involving families in everything we do. We're asking the families to come up with what they think solutions to this problem. Where before we might have just put a child with a relative, we want them to parents to get involved from the very beginning so that they will understand that this is very much their lives are being affected and we'd like them to put a drive the bus and help them. Mr. Oval, I want to thank you for coming in today. It's been a very enlightening discussion. Time flies by when you're getting into interesting scenarios. For those who live in the city of Hampton, and you know you work for Child Protective Services, can you please give out the phone number if somebody uh, wants to call in uh, and know more information, maybe want to report an incident? What's the number in the city of Hampton? It is seven two seven one eight eight five. That is the Child Protective Services number. The number again is 727-1885. We are out of time. Uh, maybe at some point in the future, Mr. Wall, we can get you to come back 
and share some more information with us. Uh, but once again, thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Pastor Study on behalf of Pastor John Young, Miss Laura, who's working the phones, Kevin Miss Anderson, who's on the board. Uh, we want to thank Jay Langer, Green Station Manager here. Uh, we say again, be blessed and be a blessing to someone else. This is the essence of HE 88.1 WHOV.